Hey! Hey, church, listen to Jesus. Well, that's actually the title of the sermon, but I thought I'd just throw that out there. We have this amazing God who cares so much that he sent his son for us, our benefit, and Jesus has this plan to include people and and join them into God's family, and he said, I think I'll do that with a church. So we're going to explore that a little bit. We are still in the series Edify, so we're still looking at ways that maybe we need to renew our thinking, our approach, our look at Scripture. Uh, We need to kind of put these things in, in a reframed and reformed, so we're going to move this in a, in a different direction, and uh, it's just amazing what happened this week. The, uh, the elders and I had a meeting this week and, and covered some of these things. We belong to the Evangelical Free Church of America, so there's a, a bigger association of churches uh, here in America and around the world, and they do these things like most groups do, and they run uh, demographics. And so in order to help churches uh, grow and understand where they are, where, where they're located, they do these studies, and they sent one out, and I thought that was nice of them. So around this church, within a mile and five miles, they've given this, these circles, and then they break it down into ethnic groups and uh, all the stuff you'd see in the census, but it also goes into more things related to, so how do you do church? What do you do when you're, when you're involved in church? And so here's, here's the study that they sent me. They said I could have a real thorough one later. I said, okay, thank you. So, so we're, we're, uh, we're very serious about our elder meeting. So we're meeting at you know, Main Street Tavern in Claremore. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to bring this to your attention because it, what this does, and, and this has been something, actually something that has aggravated me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, as, as we go into doing church things. Because, you know, I have to have meetings with pastors and sometimes you just want to hit them with a chair because of the... Going, are, are you listening at, in any way? Are you paying attention to the Lord in this? Are, are you attentive to the one who is in charge of this? He's the one who, who put this together. And often that's no, it, just a big no. And, uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to pop your bubble if you had one for that. But here's the deal. There is a tendency and you know the series is about looking at what God is doing and how he's doing it and it's much more spiritual than we give credit it's much more involved and engaged with eternity than we credit so we're building often in our own take even when we read through the scriptures we're reading it in a context that's all about me and my time not the time that the writer was writing or even about the theme or the topic that God intended so we move it all around so that it's, it's going to fit me, make me comfortable, make me happy, or however, it, and, and the different spins, different denominations are built many times on those things. One of the huge ones is as human beings living in a material world, 
and physical bodies, our tendency is to move in the direction of the material. And that is no different for church studies. Ergo this one. So we have these church growth movements. There's whole industries built around this. How do we help people come to know Jesus? And I'm going, don't tell them. You you guys just don't tell them because the Jesus you're talking about and the churches you want to establish are based on material, uh, social foundations. And then they go out and they do spiritual things. So you have the, the social thing, add on Jesus. You have the material thing, add on Jesus. So you add the spiritual to the material, physical. And if you ever wonder when you're reading some commentaries, Bible commentaries, and they're just taking a big left turn going, where in the world did they get that kind of information? It's usually because it has no spiritual content at all. They're just putting some pieces together based on material things from a material point of view. And uh, they wind up where they are. The idea that God has something to do with this starts in the first line of the first book. In the beginning, God. So there's a spiritual setting. So within that spiritual setting, everything else comes. In the end, everything goes back to the spiritual setting. So why in the world would we strip it away? So the church should be a spiritual entity built on a spiritual foundation it's in a material world of course that's how god planned it the building is supposed to be built on the spiritual uh, foundation of jesus christ it's supposed to be energized by the holy spirit that's spiritual that's non-material there's a whole bunch of this it's happening the direction that the church is to go is laid out in scripture it's spiritual and we covered a lot of that Uh, over these weeks and last week quite a bit on the future one but I want you to see I just took a couple of these sections out of here because it took us an hour to go through it with the elders so you don't want you don't want to do that okay what is wrong with the church top five and this is from this report number one religious people too judgmental yeah Those guys. Number two, religion too focused on money. Ray, could you make another round? (laughs) Fill that sucker up. Uh, Three, don't trust organized religion. That's pretty common. You talk to many people or look on Facebook. Number four, don't trust religious leaders. There's a reason for that. Number five, disillusionment with religion. Yeah. All kinds of things. That, those, are, those, those are very real. Uh, top six ministry preferences. So we've got that. That's our scene. That's our situation. And then we add this in top six ministry preferences. Number one, warm and friendly encounters. So just, you go, well, yeah, you got to agree with that. You know, who wants to go in a place that's not nice? warm and friendly number two high quality sermons which by the way you really don't get here you get you get something else but not that all right three adult social activities adult social activities number four traditional worship experiences which would lean toward more the uh, worship teams worship band worship leaders in that sense came out of the late 80s and, and then spread uh, 
all over the place. Before that, you had you had the guy who had led the choir, and you remember those, that's more traditional. So a different way of doing that. So traditional worship experiences, and th- and this is specific to us. Remember, it's the one mile and another five mile circle for where we are. Uh, number five, opportunities for volunteering in the community. And number six, holiday programs and activities. So you look at that and you go, well, yeah, what's wrong with that? And really, you know, those are, those are nice. So in that group of six, how are we doing on the spiritual side? Is it social? And we add some Jesus? Or are we looking at Jesus and then we figure out how the rest of this goes? Hmm. So, anyway, that was helpful. So then, who says what the church should be? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. Who is he to say that? I mean, come on. We got people with really good ideas, and they're creative, and, and they, they like, some of them like to write songs and play instruments, and, and they like the right kind of song that really fits with their voice so that they can really sound good when they're in the church. You get the worship thing out of that, right? Well, you don't want bad ones either. So that, but I will build my church. Jesus says, that's, that, that's where we're going to start. It's his idea, his organization, his organization, his body, his plan. And, and so here's something, mind-blowing reality of Jesus' church. The church is not about you your comfort, your feelings, your theology, or your community. Yeah, you can get strung up saying stuff like that. It is not about you. Jesus said, I will build my church, his church, his way, his people, and he has a plan, and it is not looking the same way that we approach it when we're coming at at this in a sociological, psychological, material way, and we build a church built around that. Those things are helpful. They're helpful for other things. They're really good if you're going to open a McDonald's or Starbucks. And there's a place that, that all of that information actually is helpful. It does not fit when we're talking about what is the nature of the church and why do we exist. Now, if you do all those things... And the reason they send these things out is to help struggling little churches like us get somewhere because we ain't got an idea. So they have figured out all of these ways that you can gain a crowd and then you go from there. You have to have the crowd in order to, to be of any influence in this world. And so that's where it comes from. Uh, it's not true but that's, if we're coming from a material, sociological, how do we do this in, in the world we live in, then all of those hints, all the stuff that they send is uh, just on target. If we want to go in another direction and find out what did Jesus have in mind when he said, I will build my church. And my church doesn't look like people because people are bent, broken, selfish. They have egos. They have issues, and uh, 
Anybody really want to go to that church? And here's Jesus willing to die for us, to give us life. Not many of those other people do that. So let's find out about what he offers. Here are six collateral blessings. Six collateral blessings. There are billions, but here here are six. Uh, Again, the church is not about you, your comfort, your feelings, your theology, or your community. But when we're building spiritually on Jesus, Jesus is building his church, there are blessings. And you heard, you know, collateral damage. Well, these are collateral blessings. This just comes along. If we really follow Jesus, we go his direction. We're discovering what it is to to know him up close and personal. And that, that reality begins to work within us. Then we become something totally different. So, six collateral blessings. Number one, wholeness. So we have in all of us these broken pieces. Through our history, we've got things that have happened that, that make our lives complicated. There are layers of those, and there, there are areas in our lives that we're blind to. Other people can see, and, and we don't. And then we're trying to piece all of these things together. And how does, how does my spiritual life fit with my mental how, how does that fit with my relationships? And how come I have so many, if I look back over my life, this graveyard full of bad relationships, things have broken, and you're going, because I'm so good at this? No, because we're broken people. Jesus offers us something different, and he says, I can take you to another level. And first it begins with being connected with God, so you've got to start with that wholeness that happens there. And then he begins to heal the emotions, the, uh, the intellect. Sometimes he heals bodies, which people normally, again, were material, physical, so we jump to that one. And he, he just does amazing things. But the wholeness is putting all of these, these broken pieces together in a way that we can really function. So we're told that we are to love, and we're to love one another. And that fits into this. So how does wholeness work with love we're we're supposed to be changed so much man i wish we had an extra hour and a half okay during this in the sermon on the mount jesus lays out a bunch of things these are not new laws he is he is he's not doing the the ten commandments again in the new testament he is laying out this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom what it looks like to walk with god it's what it looks like when you are whole so how do you handle somebody you're angry with? Is it with automatic forgiveness? How can you get slapped upside the face and say, oh, that's cool, I'm good. Uh, somebody cut you off in traffic, and you just bless your brother. Yeah. And then wave at them and things. So we've got this whole, we've got these things in us that, that are driving forces. And Jesus says if somebody... Uh, takes your shirt, give them your coat too, and you just go, okay, wait a minute. There's like too many things going on here. How do you do that? Are these rules to follow? Laws that we have been commanded to do? Jesus knows we can't do them. He wraps this whole thing up saying, you've got to be perfect as the Father is perfect. What does he mean by that? That means flawless? And you, you, we can't get there. We're, it's, we're too late. 
No, it's about fitting into this new wholeness that he creates because we come into contact with him. We have this whole new world that's been reframed and he works from the inside out. So now we're changed in our hearts, who we are, the center of our beings, so that to love, to forgive, to not let anger drive us is gone. Just gone. So that's what he's offering. Wholeness. Start spiritually. You don't get this by reading books. You don't get it by going, on conf- going to conferences or going on mission trips. You don't get it if you build on the material. You get it because Jesus Christ enters in spiritually, alters everything on the inside, and then what comes out of that is a whole new person. And all those other pieces, broken as they may be, have a place because God doesn't waste a hurt and he's going to put all of those things together. We can't get it if we come at this from a material, physical per, you know, perception. We've got to change that up. So six collateral blessings we get to, in the church that Jesus is doing. We have improved relationships. Well, yeah, you can have improved relationships if inside your automatic thing is, well, that hurt my feelings, now I'm mad, and I'm going to hold on to that forever. I know people in here don't do it. I think the church behind us, they do that. But the, the relationships just take off in a whole new direction because there's now something to work with. The love thing, in addition to this, there's a spiritual reality. We are human beings with a fixed amount of ability to love. And whatever we define that as or however we think that is, it is limited to our experience, what we've seen. And maybe we've actually worked at it to try to to love, understand the love languages, understand how to relate to people. Very few people have ever bothered to do that. But if we do it, and we get really good at it, we're still limited by our own human capacity to love. Oh no, my heart's so, I don't care how big you can get it. You can get it as big as Texas. It is still only as big as Texas. What's coming from God? Unlimited. No end to this. That's the source. So when we're supposed to love, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, first one, love. So how do we do that? How well, we get connect, we connect with Jesus, he's building his church, the Holy Spirit comes into us, changes us from the inside out, and that love keeps flowing. It just, there's no end. You don't run out of it. You can keep adding it on. Well, it says I'm supposed to love my enemy. How in the world do you do that? I just want to shoot him. You can't. Your capacity is too limited. But his capacity is unlimited. So, a spiritual base, spiritual direction, spiritual energy moving in a whole new direction. So, wholeness, improved relationships. Imagine community development, number three, community development. You got people in a church setting or in a, a town or city who have been so taken by Jesus. Now they're whole, their relationships are improved. They're operating from a spiritual base. What would that community look like? What if one of them works as a teller at the bank or checks you out at Walmart? Or, and you go, wow, that person's kind of unusual. They sort of shine. That's different from my normal experience. Because normal experiences were coming from a material world in which we just want things to go our way. Somebody wants their check, and so they're working, and they put in their hours. 
whether they're nice or not. They just want to check. And it's the end of it. If you have a spiritual base, you're working for the Lord. You're not working for the check. I mean, that's part of it, but that's whatever you do, you do for the Lord. That changes up how we respond to people, how we interact, how we do our jobs, all of it. Talk about community development. So I'm, I'm told if a church, is a big, this is a big church growth question. Uh, so if your church left the community, would that community miss you? That's one of the standard questions. What they mean by that is, have you gone out and cleaned up around the, the schools? Have you taken on a section of highway that you pick up the trash on? Are you involved in, in feeding the poor or helping people? And, and actually, we are, but that's, that's not this point. Okay, so we have community development based on the fact that Jesus has changed us from the inside out. We're just going to do good in the community. We don't have to organize it. We don't have to have a committee for it. We're just going to do it because we are so altered in our wholeness because of what Jesus has done because we're based on a spiritual, coming from a spiritual end. Intellectual progress, the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, all begins with a fear of the Lord. Proverbs just lets us know that over and over again. If we want real knowledge, if we want to really interact with this world and understand what's going on, we've got to come at this from God's perspective and he gives us the ability to do that and he'll clear our minds up so if you're the guy who keeps running into the kitchen going I can't remember why I came in here where are my keys why do I have the freezer door open you might need some intellectual improvement so come on Jesus he, he just he's gonna bring that moral maturation around the world when the church shows up, Rome is, is doing its thing and the empire. And so this, the church starts within the Roman Empire. So it's influenced by the morality of the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Romans, and everybody else they'd been in contact with. And to worship other gods. And as we've discussed here, we know that there's some, some real ones out there. They're worshiping other gods. And those other gods said, you know what? Immorality is a cool thing. So let's have temple prostitutes, all kinds of temple prostitutes. And we will uh, demand sacrifices. We'll demand sacrifices of your babies, your children. We'll, we will, and here's God Almighty, the Father, who sends his son to sacri sacrifice him on our behalf. Totally the opposite. The morality that comes out of this is, Hey, love your wife, love your husband, take care of your family. You know, wow, there's a new concept. But we, you know, the church is so limiting. We need to get rid of that. No, the spiritual basis for this changes everything in the community, in morality, in justice, in the laws that are written. Everything comes out of that. It's number six, benevolence, another uh, of the collateral blessings. Just the giving, an amazing amount of, of giving that has made a difference over, uh, over the centuries. The church in the fourth century came up with hospitals. There were kind of hospitals among the Greeks and Romans and, and India and other places. But the idea of what you see today, the modern hospital, the idea of caring for the sick, 
came out of the church. That's benevolence. Now, the, the issue with blessings, as we go through this, is that we begin to build on the blessings and focus on the blessings and go, well, we want to keep the neighborhood clean, so we need to focus on what we can do to keep this neighborhood, you know, let them know that our church, we need to brand everything, our T-shirts, water bottles, and we're going to go out and clean around the school and up down the highway, and they need to know because, you know, we're good people, and we do benevolent, and we hand out, we hand out food and clothing, and, and uh, they need to know that that's us. We started in 1999, opened July 8th, 1999, the Prior Ministry Center. We were the prime movers for that whole thing. So the idea when it started, it isn't this way now, but it was when it started, was that there would be no government, take no government funds, everything would be funded by local people giving and sharing. All the churches were invited to be part of it. We didn't have branded t-shirts that said, we're Grace Bible Church, and if you come here and we give you food, you know that Grace Bible Church did this. Don't know who gave the money, don't know who's handing it out, but everybody, every church, there's a place in there where they could have a brochure or let people know that this is the churches, but it's the churches participating in this. We fed people hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people in Pryor and Mays County, locally. Then we started a free clinic. Doctors, nurses, no government interference, no government tie-in, just people, loving Jesus, sharing, giving, participating, volunteering, their expertise. And... Then somewhere down the road, the government, somebody in, in the, one of the meetings decided, you know, we need to get some USDA meat. Then you sign a deal that says we, need to, we have to agree to the government's oversight and their involvement, and then they tell us how to help people, who we can help. They have to provide their social, social security number, their addresses. There's a whole series of things that go with that, and they can be helped only if they meet certain criteria. If somebody came and they said, we got three kids, a guy just got laid off out here at the industrial park. I mean, they have a nice car, but, you know, they can't pay anything because everything came to a halt. We had cars back up to the doors of the ministry center, and we filled those suckers up. And we made sure those kids got some Otter Pops and some other stuff. And if they needed Levi's or anything to go to work, that got covered. Benevolence. Do we have our name on it? They have no idea. They don't know. Because we don't do that. Didn't do that. Times change. When it's built on a spiritual base, things just happen. And people just care for each other. They care for their neighbor. They care for the people in the neighborhood. Uh, it's just... Anyway, collateral blessings just from being spiritually focused. So let's do this. The church is in the world, but not of it. Supernatural worship. From John 4, verse 24, God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well in Samaria, and she's debating with him over, well, we worship at this mountain, you, you worship at that mountain, and Jesus is saying, it's not about those mountains. 
It's about God and true worship. And true worship is spiritual. It comes from the Spirit. It's going to be drawn to Him, the one true God, who is over all around the world and all people, and He wants to bring everybody to Him, and He wants everyone to worship Him. So it's, it's a change of perspective. But my church, we do it. You guys have done this. I grew up in this church, and this is how we did it. And we said it, and those guys, they don't do it that way, so they must be wrong. And Jesus is saying, just quit it. It's worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Now, if we don't know the truth, we're going to have a problem. So we need to get in the scriptures. We need to find out what did God intend with this. And then go his way in spirit and, and honoring him from the deepest parts of our, our beings Heavenly focus, Colossians 3, verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So if our main thing in churches is thinking about the things of earth and how we can get more people in the seats or how we're going to be more community-minded so that they can recognize us and how we can brand our church so the world knows we're here, is that more heavenly-minded or earthly-minded? Again, there's a place for that, but it follows the spiritual focus. It follows the heavenly. And then the blessings come out of that. That's collateral blessings. And you want all of those you can get, just don't make those the main thing. It gets sideways. It is about spiritual reality in a material world. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. And... It gets pretty serious in Hebrews. It's, it's great stuff in there. But at this point, he said, there is much more we would like to say about this. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. It's writing to the churches. First century. And they're already spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You go, well, there's something wrong with that. So he's encouraging them to think, think this through. So let me... Let me go on through. In verse 12, you have, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and, and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who are training, and through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Solid food is for the mature who through training have the skill to recognize, these, to make discerning things, to know this is spiritual, this is material. We are to follow Jesus, not add Jesus on to other things that we're doing. We are to understand the difference because we're going to get into what is true and we're going to train on it. And if you've been involved in any kind of training through the years, if you were in band and just finding all this band stuff out because Edie is starting the saxophone, they're pretty serious about they want you to practice. And you think, don't you just put that sucker together and start blowing? It takes training. Somebody's got to work at it. And if you have been in sports, you had to train. If you're trying to lose weight, you, somewhere in there you've got to do some training. If you're going to study and and to get a degree, you have to train, you have to work at that at every level of life, and you know that. Except when it comes to the spiritual thing. I saw a thing from doctors. 
the other day. This, this is just in, in commenting on people and the responses to COVID and, and th that kind of stuff that's floating around all over. And they said, we need to turn the hospitals over to the parents who have been on the internet because they seem to have all the answers. And, and, and we'll just step aside. So take the doctors and nurses out and let them have it. And uh, you go, wow, that's kind of a slam. I find the same thing in the church. It doesn't matter that somebody has studied, has spent time training in the spiritual truths. Somebody looks on the Internet, and then they come and tell you how it ought to be. Yep. You go, Really? So straighten out your doctor, straighten out your lawyer, straighten out your mechanic. We don't know everything. And what we're being challenged with, out of all the things we are involved in in this life, we are moving in one direction. When you were in high school, you had to say, well, I'm working for that graduation day, and there's things, all of these things point to that graduation day and one piece of paper when it's all done. We spend our entire lives fooling around with all kinds of things and there is one day we stand before Jesus. One day when everything else, all that stuff just doesn't matter. One day when everything in life comes down to that point. And guess what we're doing? Way too often. Everything else. It's a spiritual reality built on a spiritual foundation. And Jesus said, this is my church and I'm going to build it Anybody who wants can come. Just come. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's training. There's work involved in this. There's discovering truth. And there's wholeness. I mean, who wouldn't want some of that anyway? And then out of that comes this reality of life that changes communities, changes churches. And we operate at a whole different level because of it. So that's, you know, we're supposed to be about a spiritual world. Hebrews 5.11, since, you know, you're spiritually dull. You're not moving in that direction. You're not training. You're not sharpening in this, this particular area. Jesus wrote letters. Well, he had John write them in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. So Jesus' letters to the churches. So, number one, Jesus addresses specific churches. That's Revelation 2 and 3. You can check that out later. And in there, I'm just going to summarize some things. Jesus focuses on the spiritual, not the social life of the people. Not once. Not once does Jesus say, so how many do you have coming? And have you won a Grammy with your worship leader? Has your pastor written some books? Because, you know, we need to put that out here. And especially if it's a New York Times bestseller. Then we need to, you know, that's the introduction. Not that he walks with Jesus. So... Going to seminary, this was a shocking thing to me. I leave Oklahoma State University. I've jumped through all the hoops that you got to jump through to, to get into to graduate school. And, and then I'm being interviewed down there. And, and I've got, well, the application part of this thing because I apparently messed up when I filled it out. Um, uh, part of this was uh, a list of things on this application that had to do with what do you do with alcohol? What do you do with tobacco? What do you, th th those are the things that are on here. On the, on the, this is at a graduate Christian institution. Nowhere on there does it say, so have you ever walked with Jesus? 
Have you ever helped anybody? Have you ever discipled anyone in, in uh, Christian life? Do you pray? I'm sure they're assuming that, and there's other parts of things that you do. People write in recommendation letters. Don't you find that strange? I find it horrifying that the main thing is, what do you do with tobacco and alcohol and not ask the central questions? Are you spiritually minded? Are you building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Huh. I think that ought to stop. I haven't applied in 50 years, so it may have. I don't know. It's been a while. But Jesus is saying that we're not going to build... The church is not about the social life. He doesn't say, well, do you guys, are you involved in the community? If, if you left, if your church left this community, would they miss you? They killed Jesus and a whole bunch of people in the community didn't care. They were there rallying, rejoicing. This isn't about that. This is a spiritual reality that is so far beyond those things. Three, Jesus is concerned about truth, God's truth, not the one we define by ourselves, God's truth being taught. He wants that out there. In those letters, you pick that up, all, all seven. Number four, Jesus does not correct the churches for a lack of community volunteering opportunities or holiday programs. And that's what we're supposed to do within our five-mile circle. Wow. Number five, Jesus corrects the churches who have left their love for him, followed false teaching or teachers, and tolerate evil. Wow, that's like a spiritual thing. That's going in a different direction. Number six, Jesus ends the letter saying, listen to the Spirit. That's like this live communication with the living God that is ongoing around the world in every corner and every kind of person, and God has this amazing ability to communicate. And he's saying, listen to the Spirit. And in the seminary I just mentioned, that you, the only way you do that is you read the Bible. So if you're better, better at Greek and Hebrew, then that's it. Jesus didn't say, are you better at Greek and Hebrew? He said, listen to the Spirit. He who has ears to hear... Listen to the Spirit. That's way beyond Hebrew and Greek. That's way beyond English or King James Version Bibles. This, this is in a, a new, ought not be, new realm of communication. The spiritual is the base. The spiritual is ongoing. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the Spirit so it can stay in touch. And so that my churches. And he says this at the end of each of the seven letters to each church. You have ears to hear, listen to the Spirit. Because that is major. It's repeated over and over because that is major. And nobody in any seminary, because I went to two, brought that up. Or even how to do it. Apart from read the Bible and do what our commentaries tell you. That's frightening because the living God is co communicating and he has a great deal to say. He's not stopped. It's not just intellectual ability or theological uh, base. 
And on the theology, those of you who are familiar with this thing, so if you read commentaries or study Bibles and you're comparing notes from one theologian to another, most of those are uh, European theologians, and the European theologians are arguing for one thing or another, and then in America, of course, we have ours, and, and here's, here's what this verse says, and this is where I'm taking it, and so we, we go at each other about the context. And then, if we're now in the 21st century, we look back, there was a Reformation, the 1600s, or 16th century, so we look back to the 16th century and go, those guys, they got it. So now we interpret, we either agree or disagree with the guys who wrote in the 16th century. And that's the context in which they understood the Bible to, be, to have been written. When Luther wrote the book of Galatians, not the book of Galatians, his book on, uh, his commentary on Galatians, he's writing it based on the context of Europe and, and the things that were busting loose all around him. So he's rock, writing about freedom in Christ. And it's a powerful book. Is that the context of the book of Galatians that Paul wrote? No, he wrote it in the first century. What was the context that he lived in? And who were the people reading Galatians at that time? That's who the Holy Spirit guided him to write the letter to. So why do we argue about what the 16th, 17th, 18th century guys said about this when we don't even look at the first century to find out what, where'd that come from? And it wasn't just the first century. There's four or 5,000 years before that that mean, that give it context. It's just, there's a lot. So listen to the Spirit. God is still communicating. He wants, his, he wants his people to know him, to be close, to be part of the family, and he's bringing all that together. Return. Revelation 2.5. Hey, church, listen to Jesus. Jesus says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So there are churches that now have no spiritual reality at all because Jesus has come and taken out the lampstand because they didn't repent. They didn't go back to him. They didn't turn to him as their first love. If he's their first love, then he is the foundation. He's the one who's guiding. He's the one who energizes. He's the one who's going to say, this is where we're headed. And this is how we do it. What if we choose not to? Don't bet on a lampstand. If you've been looking at some things that have been in the news recently about some churches around America and you go, wow, what was going on? What were they thinking? Just think of the lampstand. Probably not there. And God wants all of his people to represent him well, to shine, to have that wholeness that makes a difference. Then when you live in community... You come at it a whole different way. It's amazing. So it's a spiritual basis out of which come amazing blessings that lift society, lift people, lift families, and make a difference across the board. If we do it from a material base, we miss it. And in the church, our lampstands can be removed. So I think, hey, church, listen to Jesus go that way let's pray father thank you thank you for being patient with us for putting up with some of our silliness for forgiving our sins for seeing us in ways we don't even see ourselves you just see us in in such wonder and glory and beauty and it's just it's just 
mind-blowing that, that <laughs> you really put up with us. So thank you. Lord, help us to separate, to become those mature uh, followers who understand the difference between right and wrong, to seek you, to love you, Jesus. Turn to you as, as the main thing, and we build on your foundation, wherever it takes us, as individuals, as couples, families, as churches. And it is in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.